welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. And I'm Jim DeSanto. And today we're looking at the 2015 sci-fi thriller Ex Machina. But before that, we always ask the most pressing question of every episode, what are we drinking this episode? I'm Jim, back what you got? to uh, Town Branch bourbon. Nice. Um, awesome. Like I said before, it's super smooth. It's only 80 proof. It's not like a, a crazy barrel proof thing. Um, and it's just it's just very smooth and delicious. Fantastic. I, like it. <laughs> I am uh, drinking Geary's Pale Ale, uh, which is from the great state of Maine, a state, my favorite state to vacation in. Aliens as well. We love Maine. Have you ever been to Maine, Jim? Um, I have, but only for like a minute. My sister lived there for a little bit. I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah. Geary's is actually New England's first craft brewery. Uh, and this pale ale, it's it's delicious. So I, uh, I've had it before and I saw it at the store and I was excited to see it. So I will be <laughs> having that tonight as we talk uh, about AI, uh, not Allen Iverson, artificial Practice. intelligence. Yeah. That, do you like that late 90s, early 2000 reference there uh, for Alan Iverson? Uh, I love time it. for fact check here before we get in. I am happy, very happy to report because I'm sure there are probably many people who are concerned about this. Uh, Aaron Sorkin has not sued us for slander. <laughs> Um, I thought we were going to have to call in the law firm of Falcone and Haas um, to represent us. Uh, one is a real estate lawyer. The other is an environmental lawyer, I believe. I, I, I would not have I would not have liked our chances in court. Um, no. But thankfully, nothing happened. Uh, and I will add, we did not have an audio issue until after uh, Katie started that attack. We yeah. had two minor ones last week. And I'm wondering, he did write... Uh, the social network. Was true, there true. some kind of uh, Facebook-esque conspiracy to silence us um, Maybe Brian. over Maybe. the issue of Katie's dislike and your dislike uh, of To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> on Broadway? Um, a couple other quick fact checks here. Uh, last week we were talking about what was Katie's favorite secret society. And she said Brynathen area. I, I tried to do a little bit of historical research here as a history teacher. Mm -hmm. And it seems that I, I can say safely that the Brynathen uh, people are, are not a cult or a secret society. Uh, but in fact, the uh, there was a history book written back uh, long ago that led people to believe that was faulty history, uh, that people there were that. Now, Early that fake news? Yes, early fake news. Uh, hmm. I will say this, though. There is a ton of really kind of creepy websites that claim that the Brynathen town area is really the secret lair of my favorite secret society, uh, the, the Illuminati, <laughs> um, who are the best villains for anything. Just – Pop the Illuminati into any movie yeah. and you have something spectacular. Um, one other quick fact check. Uh, last week we, we did a – I think uh, we had a great time talking the, the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, everyone uh, – first of all, I'm very glad to see that you were not trapped in Katie's Chamber of Secrets. That was a little – got a little weird. When she started talking about people were a little concerned for you. Uh, we never referenced the, the fact that Tom Riddle is Voldemort. Uh, Did we really not we, mention that? I don't think we referenced that. We talked about Voldemort and Tom Riddle, but we didn't reference that. And I am excited to say that Claire Costello has begun work on a Harry Potter play. Oh, nice. Uh, 
Yes. Now, I should add a couple of things here. Uh, Claire has never read a Harry Potter book, has <laughs> never seen a Harry Potter movie. She only knows the name Harry Potter from my discussions of doing the episode of Harry Potter when she asked me what we were doing. Uh, that being said, she has now uh, forced me to download the Harry Potter soundtrack of which she is creating kind of a <laughs> – interpretive dance play uh she will be headwitch the owl okay because she likes animals um jack has been cast in the role of harry potter and i am pulling a lot of work here i need to build the set and i'm also supposed to play in said harry potter play uh ron weasley voldemort and dumbledore Okay. All at the same time. That's I very. Think that might be a stretch for me. Yeah, I, I this is like people. coming to America. It's like yeah. you are playing all the parts. Like you're, yeah. But you need an Arsenio Hall, so like maybe yes. Aileen can jump in as all the yes. female characters. Yes, she could do that. I do think this Claire Costello Harry Potter play will be better received than To Kill a Mockingbird by Aaron Sorkin. Oh, 100%. It will, at yeah. least by me and Katie. We're, we're not changing any of the source material because Claire doesn't know the source material. So <laughs> we, don't have to, we don't have to change anything with it. It's going to be fantastic. I, I wanted to go and look and see if people had like reviewed this uh, thing yet. And I, uh, I didn't. <laughs> I feel like people won't be truthful about it. That's why I loved Katie and yours and a take on it. I feel like people are going to be like, well, it's Aaron Sorkin. So you, you can't say something bad about Aaron Sorkin because he's you know, so supposed to be such a brilliant writer. You know how people do that? Like sometimes right. they're like, you can't question somebody because their past work has been so brilliant. It's like almost who are you to question Aaron Sorkin's writing ability? Yeah. And that's just not true. <laughs> Right. I mean, as we'll talk about in, in later things here. Uh, OK, let's go into what I think is a really intriguing movie. Mm -hmm. And we haven't done anything quite like this film yet. Um, and I thought it was a great pick by you. I hadn't yeah. seen it. I'd always been interested in seeing it and was uh, really have uh, a lot of thoughts about it. So yeah, why so don't we talk a little bit about it? What's the rundown of it? Written and directed by Alex Garland, right? Yeah. Um, and what what else has he done? I know um, he did Annihilation last year. Well, that was this was his first film, actually. Mm -hmm. He had been his a first, screenwriter. His first director. Yes. Directing. Yeah. He had been a screenwriter. He wrote 28 Days Later. Right. Which is fantastic, uh, by the way. Yeah. He also, oh God, now it's going to slip from my mind. He he did do a Sunshine. He, Sunshine. And mm -hmm. then he wrote another one that was just like he took a paycheck for something that okay. neither of us will want to talk about. So I think yeah. we almost want to skip it because i think he's done really good work other than whatever that movie was right 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 yeah um but yeah so this movie is basically um it's a science fiction kind of thriller um it really could be said as like a like a a play uh, because there's really only three four characters in the whole movie um and basically, the premise is, is that there's a, this company called, uh, what was it, Blue Book? Um, yes. Which is basically like Google. Well, you're supposed to say it. Somebody I read something online said it 10 times fast, and eventually it sounds like you're saying Google. Book, that's Blue how they. Book. Oh, that's funny. That's how they pick that name because yeah. they get sued by Google. Right, right, right. And so um, Google, in this case, Blue Book, was created by um, Oscar Isaac's character, who, I, for the. My, he's kind of skipping me Nathan. right now. What is Nathan? Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. and Caleb and Ava. Right. So Nathan, 
um, created Blue Book uh, when he was like 13 or something. So yeah, something crazy. Uh, now he's much older, looks to be in his like mid 30s um, and is basically a recluse in this like bunker where he is developing an A.I., and he, uh, which is an artificial intelligence for those not uh, familiar with the acronym, um, and he, what he does is he throws a contest for um, one of one of his employees to come to the uh, to the bunker and and hang out with him for a week, and our our other character Caleb wins the contest, um, and so really the first couple minutes of the movie are uh, Caleb winning the contest and making his way to the bunker. He's flying on a helicopter. And I think they there's a really funny line of, uh, you know, just trying to show you how much money this guy has where he says uh, he says to the to the uh, helicopter pilot, hey, uh, how long how much further or how much longer? And he says, how much longer for what? And he says, till we get to the estate. And he says, we've been flying over the estate for the last two hours. <laughs> so he yeah. owns a ton of land, which seems to be in like Montana or Canada or something. Yeah, I think it, it, it was supposed to be Alaska. Alaska. Oh, that makes much had, more sense. I, yeah. Yeah. But I don't think they ever say that. I yeah. only I only they never say that. I only know that because it I think like that's it. where they wanted. That's where they wanted to film. But they filmed it in Norway. OK. But I think it's supposed to be Alaska. Yeah. And so basically, um, yeah, he's going to hang out with him for the week. And when he gets there, he finds out that he is going to be participating in helping Nathan um, basically run his AI, Ava, who is a, a, you know, computer intelligence um, robot through the Turing test, which is basically if a human being is talking to a computer and they do not know it's a computer, the, it has passed the test. Perfect. Um, yeah, but they skip, they kind of skip right over that. And he says, you know, we're going to, we're going to skip over that. You know, you're talking to it. We, we we're way beyond that. You know, we, we need to know. Um, yeah. Just kind of if, if it if you think it's a, if you think there's a real consciousness there. So uh, first off, uh, when I saw this movie, in my mind, this is as if the shape of water and the shining had a baby. <laughs> That's in there's... my description of this film based on two films that we have done on this show before. Um, and, uh, uh, and I mean, you that, tell me like, why. A, yeah. Well, it just I think some things in terms of visual with the shining and I, I don't maybe that's just because we've yeah. seen the film, the helicopter opening. Just like the remember where they zoomed over the island and setting this idea of this isolation, mm-hmm. you know, ice characters of it's not the same film in any way. The use of every time power goes out in this filming, it turns into the red room, like the red right. bathroom. Right. Um, that there's one shot in particular, um, the long hallway where Caleb's bedroom is mm-hmm. is the shots like we see there uh and there's a really effed up creepy relationship uh between in case instead of a fish man and a woman uh, a human and a uh a robot here and it was also throwing a dash of creepy techno willy wonka yeah. like he won the golden ticket to, to go there definitely um, and he was definitely channeling a little bit of uh Oscar Isaacs definitely is Nathan, who is this eccentric, like billionaire, um, abso- absolute drunk as well, um, oh, yeah. is sort of channeling a little bit of Jack here and there, I think. Yeah, I think. And uh, the other thing I found slightly um, 
interesting with that like conceptual idea here is, um, you know, in my mind, trying to wrap it around of what's more kind of disturbing, this idea of this fairy tale in the shape of water of a, a woman falling in love with this monster, which is a a living being. Right. Or Caleb falling in love with something that is really a construct, a complete artificial rendering, which at the time we don't know. But as the movie goes on, and usually everybody watches these movies before they listen to us, right. we find out was really designed to entrap him in some sense. This yeah. Ava is designed to <clears throat> attract him. And yes. I found like that an interesting well, idea. Yeah, and and I think so. Basically, the format of the movie is is that um, you have Caleb uh, has sessions with Ava where he sits with her and talks, and it's normal uh, things where in the beginning he's clearly um, just enamored by the fact that he is talking to a computer and it is interacting with him as if it's another person. Granted, it's it's it, a little interesting affect and things like that, but. Um, there, there is a lot of how Caleb feels about the the AI, how he feels about Eva is pretty much the core of this movie, right? Um, so in the beginning, he thinks he's just there to to uh, figure out if this AI would pass the Turing test. And as the movie goes along, you start to feel that there's something just not quite right about this scenario. There, there is. Yeah, something creepy, something deeper and creepier going on here. Um, I even thought, did you just quickly, because I forgot about the thing until you just mentioned the session piece, even the title cards, place, title cards. Yeah. Do you know what the actual the big inspiration they said was this? Uh, the film we would know. There's a foreign film as well. Uh, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, really? Which I hadn't seen in a long time, but he really felt when he wrote this, that was a big part of. It. And I thought it's beautifully written. The, yeah, the dialogue, well, really, some really good long yes. dialogue sequences, which you brought it up, is play-like and is obviously a result of when you have a screenwriter who is the director. There's right. more of that you know, type of thing, right. which is interesting. I, I can see the comparison to the thing because there is that like – that distrust that is like inherent in the thing, which in if you've never seen the thing, basically it's a it's an alien in that is uncovered in Antarctica that can shapeshift and it can take the place of a person uh, or an animal. So uh, all these people that are living in this in basically the uh, the South Pole like uh, research facility are distrustful of each other because they don't know who the who the monster could be. Um, and there is definitely that kind of feeling in this movie where everybody sort of is is distrustful. Uh, so during the first, is it the first session with Ava when the power goes out for the first time? Yeah. Uh, well, no, I think it goes out the very first time when he's in his bedroom oh, that's watching right. her. That's right. That's right. But yes, I mean, but the first time we actually have any kind of right. inkling of what the power going out right. means, and so, definitely. So then you find out, uh, so then the next session when he's talking to her, the power goes out again and the cameras go dead and you realize uh, she says, prior to that, she says to him, you know, are, is Nathan your friend? Is he a good friend of yours? And, you know, that's a funny part because Caleb's really awkward and he's trying to say like, well, no, he's not a good friend of mine, but he, 
he doesn't want to say that while he's staying in the guy's house because well, and he knows the guy's listening. And he knows the guy's the listening, and he he doesn't, um, you know. And he, but he says it in in a way. He he basically just says like, well, that takes time, you know, to develop that kind of friendship. Um, and then the power goes out, and Ava says, "You're wrong." While she, you know, she knows that the the cameras are off and there's no mic, but he she says, "You're wrong about Nathan. Don't trust him. Uh, he's not your friend." Yeah. And I think this, you know, I went back and forth with this film as I was watching it mm -hmm. because I there were certain things that I thought I, I got right away in terms of, you know, there's always twists and turns like I, immediately um, I was I, I almost believed from the, the onset that uh, Kyoko, yeah. I'm not be saying was an A.I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, maybe that was easy. Maybe that was purposeful. I'm not sure Garland was even trying to hide that. No, I but, think you I know, think it I, was. Uh, I think it was definitely not fully explained because they want that. Uh, maybe not to. Were you surprised by? It? I guess you or did no. you? I like. I really was like, okay, she's. I almost thought that she was the Turing test. Right. No, I think point, which I th maybe that was his point, which is interesting. If he wanted to do it that way, I think his point. I think what he was going for there was that no matter how that played out, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. Right. So oh, like, yeah. like if I she turned out true. to be human, you would have been like, okay, I get it. She you know she doesn't speak english she's from another culture so yeah. she's she has uh, she's acting a little strange around caleb um but then yeah you find out she so basically and kyoko for those listening is basically the servant of the house she is the uh she's cooking meals and and delivering food and and uh yeah dancing other, and having sex with yeah yeah, yeah i forgot about that part which is kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, this so this movie does kind of push into the what is somewhat familiar territory yeah. um, in AI films, which is this idea of defining what is humanness, you know, what is consciousness, and you know, there's a a wide spectrum of these films. I guess the, it's not the original, but maybe one of the best dealing with somewhat of these themes is Blade Runner. Yeah, um, that movie and, and Blade Runner, uh, the most recent one, twenty forty nine. Um, did you you saw that? At, I I'm did. Assuming? I did. And I I. I I have to say this. I like those films better than this. And and we talked about this last night mm -hmm. uh, back and forth. I, I don't think that's an indictment on this no. film. They're fantastic. I, I just think those I just think those two are just uh, for the first Blade Runner created modern science fiction. And uh, the last one is just Dennis Villeneuve is. Yeah, it's beautiful. Is movie. a genius. Uh, and I just read an article in Empire this month on his Dune. That I think oh, you're gonna love. I think you're coming, gonna love. He's doing a Dune. He's, he, yeah, he's doing Dune. Oh, he's gonna that's do exciting, it in two dude. films, and it's gonna be. Um, I think it's gonna be unbelievable. Uh, but those two, and maybe I think some of my apprehension, I should say, with this film, is I felt there was a lot of similarities between this film and Westworld, mm -hmm. and I love Westworld. Um, but as you pointed out, Westworld's a whole series. Yeah. So they're really able to go into more depth and the ideas of what is humanness and what is conscious. And right. so I, 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 as the more I thought about it, I'm like, Alec Garland deserves a lot of credit for being able to craft a film that is as deep on these ideas. Right. 
in a hundred and you know, excuse me, hundred. It's only an hour and forty eight minutes. Yes, yeah, it's, it's long. impressive. I think uh, that he's able to do that. Yeah, I, I really like this movie. I I would say, for me, as far as like new science fiction, this was right up there with. With like when I saw something like The Matrix, like it was to me, it was as not not as like groundbreaking and and but it to me it was as interesting if that makes sense. I um, think it's very yeah. I, I think from a philosophical point of view, there's certain sequences in this film uh, that are fantastic. You know, uh, several of them. Uh, I mean, I. Uh, Oscar Isaac as Nathan is unbelievable. Yeah, this is his best role. I think, I mean, me and Brian chatted a little bit about this over text, and I think this is probably his best role. Um, and and honestly, I would probably put Poe Dameron pretty low on that list of of like his roles. Oh, um, I like I like Poe Dameron. Though. I mean, I yes, like him, I but think, like, yes, yeah. but in terms of sheer acting. Lewin, Inside Lewin Davis is a great movie, great, a Coen yes. Brothers movie, where he yeah. plays a, a folk singer in New York in the 60s, which is is also pretty fantastic. Um, and he's great in that as well. But I, I think I like this better. He he is um, very believable as this character. Like this is this is sort of what we think about like these giant tech moguls and. Uh, they're so uh, living in such a bubble that their their world, you know, there's a lot of like a Howard Hughes type comparison to like, you know, being so oh, isolated yeah, and, and alone um, and being that th- kind of that smart that they really you don't really have any peers. Right. <laughs> well, and I love the one of my favorite sequences is when Caleb and Nathan are outside mm-hmm. and you and it's just the two of them. They're drinking their beer or whatever, and he's—they're kind of talking about well, which is always the existential crisis any of these films deal with, um, which is, you know, well, why are you doing this? And he's basically like, well, because I can. Yeah, he says, and, wouldn't and you if you could? Yeah, wouldn't you if you could? And you know, my answer for that question often is no. Yeah. I, I, well, it I, goes I, back I, to I, Jurassic Park, I, right? I, I, listen, I, right up front. I am nowhere on the mental plane of these people. So maybe that's a whole different thing. But that I thought he did a really interesting job in crafting that that question and that whole scene. To me that that's my favorite scene in the entire movie when they're there and this this idea of okay, you want to craft this. And he's talking about, well, this is the, they're going to think of us as basically like bugs. And this is the next evolution of the world and what that is. And I think Westworld does a fantastic. um, Yeah. I still haven't, I still haven't finished the, you got to finish the second season. Yeah. Um, You have to finish the second season and then you have to get an HBO now account uh, because I dropped HBO from my cable to save a lot of money right. so that I can then watch season three because I love it. Yeah. But they deal with the same idea. And I love that idea of just because you can do something. Should you do it? Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's the part and this, that would have made me an interested. perspective. They do a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> well, the book, the book, Jurassic Park, I think, does. Yes, it's do focused a job mostly on that. It's yeah. focused mostly on that question. In fact, you could argue maybe that the novel, not the movie, but the novel is maybe one of the from a modern pop culture reference, the first really mass culture thing of the 20th, you know, the almost 21st century that tackles yeah. that issue yeah. of should I do it because I can do it? 100 percent. And um, 
Yeah, I think the other side of this is, you know, a lot of a lot of times you're dealing with AI uh, You do in in pop culture. You, you are having that conversation of what is what makes someone human, uh, you know, in, in, in Star Trek Next Generation, you had data who was always trying to become more human and and, uh, you know, adapt to a sense of humor, which to him was like the hardest piece of being human. Um, but to me, this, this movie even takes it to another level, which is brought up when, uh, Caleb says to, uh, Nathan, you know, you are not, um, when, if you pull this off, it's not just the greatest discovery in the history of mankind. Like this is the history of gods. And then, Nathan he's like, said, no, you called me a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then the off. next day, me. he's like, I wrote that down. You, and then I looked at Caleb and he said, you're, you're a god. god. And he's like, I, I didn't say that. But yeah, but I think that question specifically is what Garland's really looking at in this movie. Um, and sort of like the, the, the hubris of creating life, right? And being yeah. in the end, you know, you know, destroyed by it, right? Um, and we find out through the course, you know, there, there's all kinds of really mental games being played here between Caleb and Ava and Ava and Caleb and, and Nathan with both of them that you don't really know what's going on. There's even a part where Caleb wakes up in, in or I don't know if he wakes up in the middle of the night or he's he's he hasn't gone to bed yet, but he's in front of his mirror and he's clearly starting to doubt whether he is even a human. Yeah, like he, and that's and and that's you haven't watched the rest of Westworld. That's a big part of the yeah. second season of Westworld. And again, they were I think almost concurrently being done. So there's no one didn't influence the other. Right. So um, he he even takes like a razor and slices his yeah. arm just to see what make sure that he has blood and and flesh instead of you know the the electronics that Ava has, um, which to me is like. And that would right there would be like, okay, I've passed the the test, right? Like, yeah, like if 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 he's got me to that point, then what he's capable of is creating life, even though it's not life we're we're familiar with. It's something totally new. But um, so what what basically happens is he uncovers uh, Caleb uncovers video that. Um, when he gets Nathan drunk, he starts looking through some old uh, security footage and he finds video of the previous versions of Ava. You know, there was uh, Jasmine and, yeah. and, and so so forth. And Kyoko was one of them. Um, and how, you know, they were either destroyed, they seemed to go crazy. Uh, one was like just bashing its arms against the wall until oh, it, like... Which is weird because they had foreshadowed that, right? There was, right, that, there like, was a crack on the, in the wall. Glass. Yeah, in the glass. Um and so, like, he makes up his mind that he uh, he wants to save Ava because he already knows that Nathan thinks the next version is the version that's gonna that's gonna be the one, and he's just gonna shut Ava off, which is basically like killing her. Yeah. Um, and and Caleb has kind of you know at that point seen her as 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 a, a life of some sort. Yeah. And and he's attracted to her because she's built on his porn. Profile. profile you find that out as well is that that nathan has unlimited access to data like basically um because of how people use blue book in searching for certain things um 
he's able to use that data to his advantage. One of the things he did, he says, is that in order for to get Ava's facial expressions and reactions and micro, what did he call, what did she call it? It's like micro ticks or micro. Yeah, micro, yeah, uh, um, yeah micro emotions, emotions or what, yeah, or, yeah, something along that, yeah. That um, basically he turned on every camera and every uh, microphone on every Blue Book phone yeah. and Which gathered the data. Well, and it, it, that's not that far fetched. No, you know, I'm not a conspiracy nut job here. If you after the show or if you're listening to this, if you just uh, YouTube 60 minutes, mm-hmm. they ran a piece that I've actually used in class uh, on Google and what's going on with Google. And mm-hmm. I think it's uh, worthwhile for everybody to just kind of look yep. at what is involved in that yeah. um, in, in terms of that. One of the things that I found ultra fascinating about this film mm-hmm. was a question I, I I had done some reading on it before and I was very careful on what I read about before because I knew there was going to be a lot of twists and turns in this but there's a huge debate among people who view this film mm-hmm. in terms of who is the protagonist of this story whose story is this movie yeah and you know at first i in my mind uh this was caleb's story and the more i thought about it Mm -hmm. it was not and certainly alex garland has a pretty strong take that this movie is who do you think I think it's Ava's story. It's yeah, it's Ava's story. Yeah. And and from a writing perspective, I find that brilliant in the sense that usually the first character that you would attach yourself to mm-hmm. in many films is the protagonist. Right. And it, and the Caleb character has many characteristics of your standard Hollywood protagonist. But point I of view the, being the one, right? Yes, like most of this yeah. is from his point of view. Yeah. But I think the more you watch that film, I think the more it probably plays out that it is Ava. Yeah. So this is the third time is. I've seen this movie. Um, See, I saw it once. So with each viewing, does it hit yes. you more? Is that? Yeah, I think so. Because I think and, and we should kind of just quickly say what sort of what happens through the rest of the movie, which is um, – Caleb kind of plots to get Ava out of the bunker. Um, and basically, uh, Nathan figures Nathan figures it out because he hides a new, a new camera to record what they're doing during the blackouts. Yeah. Um, but what he doesn't know is that, uh, is that, um, Caleb already got everything he needed and did everything he needed in Before. order to, do this before that. Yeah. So during the next blackout, instead of the doors being locked down, they all open up. Um, and but, but one of the most important parts to, for me is right before that, he says, he says to Nathan, you didn't, you didn't bring me here. I didn't win any contest. Right. And he says, no, you know, I, I use that as a front. You, you, you don't have any family. You don't have any friends. You're, you know, you're a good coder. You're not a great coder. Um, but the test wasn't really the Turing test. The test was, could Ava, did Ava know that she was not 
like or, or could Ava use all of the resources that she had to, to convince get out, you to convince yeah. you and to get her to convince you to get her out yeah and this is sort of where the um, where it becomes really interesting that the creation the test that that Nathan puts out in front of her she passes. Right yeah. in the end, she and so what happens is when the doors open, Nathan punches Caleb, knocks him out cold, and Nathan runs out and and sees Ava and Kyoko talking, and Ava basically runs at him. She you know he's saying stop Ava, go back to your room, go back to your room, and she just runs into him, starts strangling him. They fight a little bit, and while this is happening, Kyoko walks up behind him and stabs him in the back. What do you think Ava said? Ava whispers to Kyoko. I don't know. I thought I I mean I thought that was an interesting choice because I think maybe that's Garland just not wanting to deal with that question like what would she actually say? Like there's what was it like did she need to like kill him? Like go yeah, kill like, him? Right, like, right. Like we Is she uh, so, is she the top model, I guess? Ava is obviously the best, yes. right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um and so then, you know, she basically, um, they kill, uh, well, Nathan, Nathan pretty brutal. Yeah. It's a pretty stabs brutal, him in the I mean. back. And he, he, he has a great line was he says, he says something like, you gotta be kidding me or something yeah. like that. Like, it's like me, it's going to happen to me type yeah, yeah, yeah. Like idea. Um, and yeah, but Garland was dead set on it. Well, and I think this ties into the idea of the protagonist piece, which I had problems in. And I think part of it is who you attach yourself to. Mm-hmm. But the question ultimately is, is what happens to Caleb at the end? So Ava st- stabs, kills Nathan, and mm-hmm. there's a lockdown. And she basically says to Caleb, you stay here. She, she puts like – there's a bunch of other former AIs who had skin on them and stuff. Yep. She puts it on, turns herself into Alicia Vicker, the yeah. actress who's always fantastic uh, in everything she's in. Um, have you ever seen her, by the way, in The Man from Uncle? No. You, you, so we have to watch that. It's like a movie that bombed at the box office, but is so good. Okay. Like Guy Ritchie, he's amazing in it. But she puts on the fake skin, turns herself into a person, yep. and leaves Caleb. And it's really interesting because I guess there was a lot of pushback when the film came out about that. Because if Caleb is the protagonist, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. If he's not, the idea is that Ava gets in the elevator and escapes. Yeah. And she leaves. Is, yeah. yeah. She leaves the uh, avenue. And mm-hmm. uh, that's interesting to me. And I, again, the more I think about it, the more I like that. And it was there's, foreshadowed oh, no, earlier in the movie when yeah. Caleb and her have a conversation about um, <clears throat> the difference between a robot brain and a human brain. Right. So, like, and, and Caleb talks about a class that he took where. Um, they talked about this and, and the example the, the professor used was that, um, you know, there's a girl who is, is in a black and white room where yeah. everything's black and white, but she is an artist and she has learned art and she knows all her colors and she knows everything. Um, but she can't experience them until she walks outside and leaves the black and white room. And they kind of do that in the movie. You know, when she walks out at the end into the forest, you know, into um, 
a lot of that is recalled, right? Like yeah. there, there's some similar imagery and, um, yeah. So it, it's basically like, to me, that's why it's 100% her, the protagonist, which yeah. is she has passed the test that is laid that was kind of set before her. It was all her kind of story arc, right? It was. Yeah. And I, it, it is. And I think that's why this, I'll go back and watch it again. Cause I think that's really good writing. Yeah. Like you think something you're so used to twist being like, who's the killer? Who's this? But the twist in this is almost as like, whose story is this? And that to me is fascinating and really creative writing and a good job. What do you think? Does, does Caleb get out at the end or not? No, I, I, well, here's the thing. I I mean, and this is where you kind of have even this movie, which, you know, it happens in a ton of science fiction. Yeah. You still need to kind of temper your, your, um, your beliefs right here. Right. Cause there's no way first off that the power surges would be happening. There's no way that that Nathan yeah, wouldn't I think have, you're right. you just have to kind of say Nathan wouldn't have some kind of yeah. system of like a way to shut down these, these AIs at any mm-hmm. moment. Um, and you know, that someone would be there within a couple hours to he rescue. Still has him. to have food. He still has to have food delivered and stuff like that. Right. In my mind, Caleb gets out. But I, I thought that was a really interesting question. One quick thing before we move on here: mm-hmm. uh, Ava plays five questions like we do. Yeah. Uh, I will never ask you the following question. Which one? Which was her question number five? Uh, do you want to be with me? Do you want? Do you find me attractive? <laughs> do you want to be with me? Yeah. Um, Here's a big question that I guess all these movies get to. Yeah. How scared should we be of artificial intelligence, you think? Uh, for me and you, I don't know that we need to be very scared. Um, and I heard a really interesting take on this. Um, I've told Brian and, and, and pretty much anybody who who has talked to me recently, I've been pretty obsessed with the Dak Shepard podcast. But I've started listening to it. Yeah. And I... Love it. Yeah, it's, I it's great. Love it. uh, it's called Armchair Expert, and it's basically him, uh, you know, fake psycho and analyzing uh, actors and and friends of his. Uh, but every once in a while, he has what he calls an expert on expert, um, and he'll have uh, someone that is an absolute expert in their field come on to talk, and they just talk about what the person's uh, an expert in, and it's fascinating. And one. Um, person that he had on was uh, Yuval Noah Harari, who is an author and basically a, a philosopher. Um, and he wrote things like Homo Deus. It's, uh, and I haven't read any of his stuff, but I'm after listening to him, I'm super interested in it. Um, and they talk about AI. And basically he said, we shouldn't be scared of AI in the sense of Terminator, right? Like we, we don't need to be it's not going to be Skynet. There's not going to be Skynet. The AI is not going to come and and uh, and kill us. us. And you know, yeah, we're not going to be you know in the Matrix um, because you know we know enough about that to put safeguards in place so that you know self-replicating AI and things like that wouldn't happen. But and he says, you know, in the future, um, you know, we might come to a place where AI is doing. 90% of the jobs in the world, right? And what do we do? Right, right. So that's the thing. So then the, but, and so like that is basically you make the assumption that at that point you have some kind of state assisted like income that you basically get a stipend to do whatever you want and you go and you do, you live your life without actually having to 
do real work. You do, you find what makes you tick, right? And you go and do it. But uh, Dax brought up something really interesting to me is like, well, that's not really scary. Like if you could jump forward to that where it's 90% unemployment, but everybody's getting a fat paycheck for doing nothing and they get to kind of live their life and, and go do interesting things and, and whatever. That's great. It sounds awesome. But what happens when there's 30% unemployment while on the way there, right? What happens when 40% of the jobs are taken by AI? That, well, yeah, what are people going to do? Right. Like what, what does that look like? How, how do, how do people reinvent themselves? Um, and what, you know, I, there, there, they brought up something about, um, you know, there are, there's articles, I forget where he said the article was being written. I think it was like New York times or something that, um, you know, most do- doctors are saying, you know, don't send your kids to med school. Like that's like the, a lot of the work that doctors are doing is going to be replaced. Well, and it's, I'm trying crazy. to remember, I, I'm, I'm trying to look up as we, we talk about this. Cause mm-hmm. I remember that a film, a film that was very similar to this and the life of me, I thought it was a Bruce Willis movie. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, cause for your birthday one year, I got you the graphic novel where people were oh, basically yes. living. What is that? Uh, I, was syndicate? that Bruce Willis? Syndicates? I, I, yeah. I can't remember, but I'm 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 trying to find it now, and uh, I'm getting stuck on the the highlight of the the uh, Bruce Willis uh, trifecta here when he Surrogate. did st- st- Striking Distance, uh, Color of Night, and North, uh, three stellar films in a <laughs> row from you know, Bruce. But that was what kind of what that film was, which was well, like that was a weren't little even kind of was... like living their they weren't even living their houses, right? The work was being done by well, it was like, still AI. them. They were just driving around so that was a little different that was almost like the matrix where you would sit in a chair in your house mm. and the body that went out into the world and they and you basically controlled was okay. was a robot yeah and oh, and it, you know you didn't need to look like your surrogate and you know that kind of stuff so a little bit different but yeah same idea. but to me that that was a little more frightening to me that's that idea of like there's going to be a point in time where we are as a workforce, we're obsolete, right? Yeah. And, you know, we've seen that with, with uh, factory line jobs and things like that. Oh, but absolutely. what happens when when AI comes along and robots are thinking and problem solving at a level that humans can't? This should uh, probably be the <laughs> next theme of Bruce Springsteen's albums. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he is an AI, we download his consciousness into a robot. Well, and he can it's funny. I think that. I think the arts are probably the the area where humans will not be replaced. No, hopefully not. Hopefully uh, not. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, I just find it – I've always intrigued by this ultimately. Like what is the end game here with artificial intelligence is my mindset. Like is is a lot of artificial intelligence, it seems to me to be like projects for really smart people. N- no offense to really smart people. Yeah. But, you know, but like what do we need – really need artificial intelligence for is my question at times like what is the end game and we see it up here by me in boston obviously it's mit and they have that boston instruments lab and it's the crazy running if you ever go online and see but 
like why do we need like what are what is it doing for us like what what is the end game for these people like a nathan in real life who are attempting to make these things that's where I, i'm a little bit I, i'm always curious yeah, with the I, don't, I don't know i mean i think the idea of coupling the the processing power of computers with the intelligence and 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 adaptability of humans is really uh, creates uh, basically like a new a new life form really i mean well it does it's yeah, yeah it's a, that's a whole other species yeah. which i think like westworld when you watch that really is able to delve into that idea of okay. you've created a separate species in some right, sense right but I just I, never I never understand what the end game is for people who well, want to do this. I will tell you this. <clears throat> if the pop culture is any indication, the creators of these AI should be very terrified because it usually does not work out well for them. At it all. never works out well. <clears throat> um yeah, they always become resentful and kill their makers. Um, but the uh with the funny it's not funny, but the kind of um the thing that kind of ties this whole movie together is that exactly what Nathan was the test that Nathan put out there and what he wanted her to accomplish to be proven to be conscious. She does. And it costs him his life. And, and that's, that's like him even underestimating what he's done. Right. Yeah. And I, I also think it's always fascinating in myself that, I don't know. You always get these people, even like kind of John Hammond in Jurassic Park again. It's like mm -hmm. you, you think these things are going to be on a higher plane when what what's so great about Ava is she is an amalgam of Caleb and Nathan. Right. The people she learned from. So really, they're, they're my two dads with Paul Reiser and the other guy who never did anything else. Right. Like she is, you know, they are she becomes who the two of them are. And, and my question sometimes with AI is, with the creation of it is, we create people. We have kids. Mm -hmm. And we've seen what that creation is. I don't think it's going to be any different. I mean, you could go create an artificial intelligence, but in many ways, it's a child made of robotic or organic, you know, whatever the hell we create yeah. parts. In this case, it looks like the kind of thing you can put in your lunch bag, you know, like the thing that's soft when it's not frozen oh, and yeah, uh, hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, but I love it. I love AI stuff. I know it's, I don't know how realistic it is. And I agree with you. Aileen always yells at me about this. I'm like, this could happen in our lifetime. And she's like, you're an idiot. It's not going to happen in our lifetime. Uh, but I do wonder if there's going to be a point where, uh, you know, from a history perspective, there's going to be an evolution yeah. of what society is. And is it going to be something that we see in one of these movies? I don't know. I don't know. I do not I, know. It's, uh, by the way, major shout out because, you know, pretty much every episode I have to reference Mission Impossible. Uh, yeah. The DP of this film, Rob Hardy, is the director of photography for Mission Impossible Fallout. Which my I still movie. haven't seen favorite movie of the year and we didn't even to a credit to how good alex garland is we didn't even talk about how amazing the cgi and oh it's the film it's is fantastic in this. It's, i mean it's it's but you know what it is it's so believable you don't even think it's cgi and right. that's a complete compliment uh to them and also to alex garland i i, I so good for a first film that i i, I want to read annihilation and i want to see annihilation 
and, so and I'm it's gonna, good. It's on it's my good. list. And yeah, it's on my and, list uh, of things we have to do. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Oscar Isaac's also in that. Yeah, he is. They're they're become good friends, and yeah. they worked on. I can't remember what movie he wrote. Something that um, before he was a screenwriter for both him and Caleb. Uh, There's something they all did together. Not prior. Star Wars. It wasn't Star Wars. In fact, Alicia Victor got all pissed off the because candor. they were filming Cantor. It's because they were going to. Uh, uh, film Star Wars after it. And she's yeah. like, I'm the only one who doesn't have anything in this movie. Yeah. Uh, two great scenes we didn't get a chance to talk about. The disco dancing scene, which is just wild and awesome. Yeah. And one of my favorite lines in a movie of all time, when he, he when Oscar Isaac says, you bet she can fuck. Yeah, yeah. That's Oscar Isaac is great go, because he's, he has got to go down as one of the great quotes in a film yeah, of all yeah. time. He, he, is, he plays this part uh, pretty amazingly. It, it, if if you do, if you even if you don't like this movie, you can't help but like his performance. It's it's uh, it's pretty great. It's awesome. All right, let's go on to uh, spanning the globe here. I I forgot to tell you, so I don't know if you've seen this or not. Did you get to see the second Captain Marvel I trailer? Did, yeah, it was, I, it was on during I, the Eagles I, game. I, I completely dropped the ball on my homework. I usually tell you which trailer we're going to look at. Yeah, so the, uh, it was on during they about premiered the premiered. Yeah, we talked, about the, we talked about the original trailer on the show. Mm-hmm. What's your thought on the second trailer? Um, good. Uh, the Nick uh, uh, Fury CGI started to look a little mannequin-y to me in this one. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a part where his skin just looks a little weird. Um, but, you know, that could be trailer... Um, CGI, which, you know, they, they have to cut these trailers way in advance of the movie actually being fully finished. The CGI of her flying around in space shooting stuff just looks fantastic. Um, I love the idea of of her being like basically the Superman of the Marvel universe and, and having and looking twice as cool. Oh my God. This movie looks so much better than any of the Superman movies they've done. Um, yeah, I'm excited. And 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 the fight scene between her and the old lady on the bus. <laughs> yeah, it looked great. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm even more excited. I, we, I love the first trailer. I thought this one was even better. Mm-hmm. Significantly better, actually. And I couldn't help think about the trailer we talked about for Dark Phoenix. Yep. Remember, there's like a fight sequence, which I don't even know if that movie's going to be released now. It's been pushed back again, I think. Really? This one looks so much cooler. Yeah, uh, I, I I cannot wait for this uh, yeah. film. I, I I will go. I will be there the uh, first showing, as I always am for all Marvel films. Um, I will be there. Uh, I, I can't wait to see it. It's gonna be fantastic. And we will have some Marvel films upcoming. We've been holding back. Yeah. We will have some calm major Marvel sodes, uh, as we're gonna call them. Um, I kind of want to see the next Avengers movie play out maybe before we start to jump into it. Um, but I thought that was yeah, great. That's true. All right. Uh, let's go to our question of the week. Our, our question of the week this week is from constant agitator yet friend, uh, Pat Morgan, uh, <laughs> yeah. who we always like to uh, pick on a little bit because, well, it's deserved in many yeah. cases. But uh, this weekend is Pat's 40th birthday. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be able to come down. And all joking aside, uh, Pat is a great friend of us. Uh, he does an amazing job. He works for the Knight Foundation, which is revitalizing areas in Philadelphia and does an amazing job on that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so all you know there is also some really humorous pictures of him on a Segway uh, if you Google him, um, which I highly suggest you do. Uh, but I I reached out to him and I said, you know what, your birthday weekend, um, sure you might go to uh, nice events like Jim DeSanto's Pale Reason reunion concert wearing a hoodie sweatshirt in a high-end area. Uh, But we'll let you ask the question anyway. So let's see what Pat has for us this week. Here it is. Audio from Pat Morgan. Long-time listener, first-time caller. And my question is, in Eddie Murphy's movie Coming to America, there's a scene with Randolph and Mortimer Duke the Duke brothers from Eddie Murphy's movie trading places. (laughs) Do you think that means there's an Eddie Murphy cinematic universe or an EMCU? All right, Brian, is there an Eddie Murphy cinematic universe? Um, I couldn't actually hear the question, but I had previewed it beforehand. Uh, So I hope so. Yeah, I I wish there was. Uh, I don't know if Cinematic Universe was big there. First of all, all credit to him uh, because I didn't even realize that this little obscure moment in Eddie Murphy films happened. Oh, really? Um, I, I, I don't know why. I think maybe it had been a long time since I had seen those movies. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The idea of like a cinematic universe was not really something back then. Uh, but I love the fact he brought up an Eddie Murphy question because – Eddie Murphy was freaking amazing in the 80s and early 90s. He did mind-blowing stuff. Um, I mean, Beverly Hills Cop uh, is the equivalent for those kind of comedic, comedy action movies of what blade runner is for sci-fi i think based on uh, based on with inflation taken into account it's the like the highest highest grossing r-rated comedy of all time or something like that it's unbelievable another one we should do because i haven't watched it in ages beverly hill cop 2 was a really good movie trading places great movie coming coming to him coming to america Unbelievable movie, Golden Child. I remember watching that. Oh, nonstop. the Golden Child. Uh, I love I, the Golden I, Child. I want the night. So good. Yeah. Um. So I, I probably not, but it does make you kind of miss that kind of Eddie Murphy character. And and some things yeah. I've heard in the modern context. Oh, you know, Eddie Murphy's kind of like Kevin Hart. No, no, not even no. close. Not in any way, shape, or form is Kevin Hart Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy it's actually not, had a lot of um, – he had dramatic chops too. Like there, there were parts of those movies where he was a serious actor and pulled it off really well. Yeah, he – I. You know, he's a great example in many respects of it. And there was a lot of people in that 80s. Kevin Costner hit it a little bit as well, which is they were so brilliant and they were in so much stuff for so long. And then for whatever reason, they hit this lull. And Kevin Costner, I think, rebounded. I'm not sure Eddie Murphy ever really. He got into like the kids movies and stuff like that. Listen, from box office, he did. But man, when he was doing that stuff in that mid to late 1980s, he was unbelievable. His movies were unbelievable. Beverly Hills Cop is one of the perfect action comedy movies of all time. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, a great movie. So, so I don't know if there is. Uh, I would be down. With Maybe that. it's just I, New York. Like when you're when they're in New York, 
in the he New can, York surrounding area, those could be that those movies kind of inter- intersect because well, you know, I, they are trying to do a sequel to Coming to America, Jesus. which I, I I don't know. I I'm not a big Coming I, to I America would, fan. I, the, the, I, the I loved I it as a kid. Yeah, the one I want to see, I would like to see Beverly Hills Cop, another one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of went that route. I don't know if it actually ever filmed. It was going to be a movie, and then they were going to do it as a TV pilot where it was going to be Eddie Murphy's kid. So it was going to be like mm-hmm. Axel Foley Jr. And I, I think it all fell apart. And Maybe they, they filmed a pilot for it. I would like to see Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley yeah. in a maybe. I don't I'm so torn because the original two were so good. And the third one, holy hell, is one of the biggest train wreck disappointment. I don't like, remember the third one crapping, at all. Crapping all over two good <laughs> films where he where they made it. I think it was PG. They uh. made it PG and he went to an amusement park. It, but that's you know you know what that time period was that came out when like um, big uh, major league three came out mm. when they're like let's take a funny as hell R rated movie from the eighties and turn it into a PG movie Caddyshack two like, yeah oh my god never mention that film again <laughs> that is that film is a travesty uh, maybe as much as that. Um, so Pat, thank you for that question. Happy birthday! Uh, are you going to? Is are you able to go to? I'm able to, but I'm probably not going to go. Okay, good. Uh, I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> I need you to buy him a a, a ginger uh, Moscow mule. Uh, that's what he tried to get the last time when we came to your show. It was a ginger something Moscow mule. Uh, he didn't get it in the glass, you know, the copper thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was trying to buy that. Moscow mule always has ginger. It's always ginger ale, right? I, whatever. I I'm just telling you what he said when I was there. And it was a disgrace and he didn't like it. So if you could buy one of those for him for me, I would appreciate it. Uh, uh, I will do that. Yeah, and probably you should wear a hooded sweatshirt to his party. I always that's wear what hoodies, he, Brian. That, that's what he feels is appropriate to wear to events. That is appropriate to wear to yeah. events. I'm on well, his I, side on this one, dude. Okay. Uh, quick, I have a quick <laughs> game for you here. Quick okay. uh, pop culture game for you. <clears throat> this is called Which Project is Real and Which Idea Did Brian Come Up With? Oh, so I have, I have uh, three real in-development projects in Hollywood. And one project that I made up today uh, at lunchtime. And I want to see if you can guess which one is real. Mm -hmm. uh, Excuse me, which one I made up and which are actually currently being considered uh, for development. Now, we know that I come up with amazing ideas. Pretty Raptor. Mm -hmm. uh, Three Men and a Little Lebowski. Uh, uh, Of course, our favorite CD, The Boy Who Lived. Uh, Throwing these ideas last week. Bourbon flavored M and M's. I'm just a wealth of uh, ideas. Million dollar ideas. So, million dollar ideas. Uh, see if you can guess which of these is my idea. All right, so here we go. Idea number one: a Mamma Mia style musical based on the music of Prince. <laughs> okay. okay. Am I, 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 I? Idea number two: all right. an Escape from New York reboot Oof. with Tom Hardy as Ugh. Snake Plissken. Idea number three, a John Grisham shared universe of TV shows for a major streaming network. 
idea number four, our final idea, a standalone G.I. Joe film, which only focuses on snake eyes. Okay. Which of those (coughs) ideas uh, do you think I came up with of the four? I think the the John Grisham is your idea. Okay. Uh, You are wrong. What? You are wrong. Let me okay. uh, give you the idea. First of all, there is a currently in development uh, film, a Mamma Mia style musical. I thought, Princeton, uh, well, they've which, already done Purple Rain, which yeah. is. Well, they're yeah. not making, they, they said they will not make a biopic of Prince because Purple Rain kind of serves. So right. they're attempting to make a Mamma Mia style musical Jesus. of that. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not going to be in the musical style of Mamma Mia. So, but that but based that like it's going to be like, a musical where people are dancing around mm-hmm. singing Prince songs instead. Right, right, right. Which right. is weird to me. Yeah. Um, a John Grisham shared universe of TV shows is in fact happening. Hulu is doing it. But like, so what? Does like all the lawyers just gonna hang out? Like I don't understand. I, I don't know. I I have no idea. And actually, it's two of his novels I really didn't know. Uh, so I don't know what's going on with that. Okay. Uh, the third in development film just announced is there will in fact be a standalone GI Joe film on just Snake Eyes. Meaning, my creation that I made up at lunch today was an Escape from New York reboot with Tom Hardy, which of all those four ideas is the best would one. make the most money of yeah. any of those things. It's the best so idea. For anybody yeah. who's well, for I will say that Prince, I bet you that Prince movie me. is going to make a ton of money. I me. bet you it's going to be good, too. Um well, but you know what? Certain songs are not going to be available for license, I guess. Yeah, well. So I don't know. But. There we go. That is uh, my little game here. Guess the project. All right. Five question time. This week, Jim will be asking the yep. five questions right. uh, to me. So go Number ahead. One, what is your favorite movie or uh, TV about? Or no. What is your favorite movie or TV robot or AI? So, mm. you know, yeah, this lots, is good. Of, I- lots of TV shows and movies that have robots and AIs. Which yeah. one is your favorite character? Uh, number one would be Kit the Talking Car from Knight Rider. Mr. Feeney from Yep, Boy Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Love him. Close second would be somebody you already mentioned in today's episode, Data from yeah. Star Trek Next Generation. I was There's go so many other good ones. Vicky well. from Small Wonder. Yes, Vicky, definitely. I had that. I thought that might be a little too obscure. <laughs> no. uh, Vicky from Small Wonders. Obviously, like the number one answer, and if you I see polls on stuff, is, is like Hal from – I mean, he kills the people. I know, but he's maybe the most famous of AI. But I love Data. I I loved, uh, and I'm not a huge Star Trek guy, but I remember growing, I love Star Trek Next Generation. The Next Generation is is by far, I think, the best version of Star Trek. Yeah, I think that was just, in general, a great show. All right. What what, uh, lame housework slash chores would you have a robot do around your house? Uh, Mow my lawn. You hate it? Oh, I, I, I do a lot. I do the laundry. I'm in charge of the laundry. I wash and fold all the laundry for everybody in the Costello house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't love emptying the dishwasher. I loathe mowing the lawn. <laughs> I would happily, if there was like a little Roomba, what are those things called that clean yeah, houses yeah. that I could just throw out on the yard? I would, I would buy that. I think that second. that does exist, dude. 
It's, is it expensive? I, it, well, either way, we're getting close to AI there, and it, it's got very fast blades. Yeah, so. I would be – I would – yeah, I just don't like that. That's <laughs> yeah. the one thing I can't stand. Yeah. Uh, so we already t- kind of talked about this, so it might be uh, a quick conversation. But what is, who's your favorite Oscar Isaacs character? Probably this film. Yeah. Yeah, probably this film. Uh, you know, Lewin Davis I haven't seen in a really long time, but I love the Coen brothers, and mm-hmm. I know he's great in that. I like Poe Dameron. Um, I don't think there's necessarily uh, a lot there. I think, though, I think they did a better job mm-hmm. for all the issues that The Last Jedi might have. I thought his character was I, – I enjoyed his character in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I thought yep. they did well with that character. I, from an acting perspective, I think probably this film is Nathan. Yep. He was great. And I was actually I was actually surprised at the um, – he was in less stuff than I thought. Yeah. He's done a lot of stage, uh, yeah. a lot of stage stuff, and uh, but he's great. I I would like to see. I could see him in anything. I, I would like to see him in anything except for uh, X Men Apocalypse, which even <laughs> he doesn't want to see himself in. Yeah. Apparently. So speaking of Nathan, he's hung over the first time we meet him in this movie, and he says his uh, his favorite thing to do after a hard night is to jump right back in, work out, get the blood flowing, lots of antioxidants and things like that. What is your favorite hangover cure? Well, not that. No, not that I at all. Never, I've never ever done that yeah um you know thankfully i have not gotten uh, i did not consume alcohol at that volume anymore uh so i was trying to think about what i used to do and probably my favorite of all time was uh one that i had when we lived at our uh, seville house Uh um which is either aaron powers and i would make wagers the night of a party and then uh whoever would win said wager would get uh the other to have to go out and pick them up uh kfc and uh, that would be i would absorb the alcohol with kfc chicken tenders uh potato wedges yeah um Biscuit, biscuit. Yeah. extra biscuit. I used to get an extra biscuit yeah. uh, and a large soda. I, I should add in my current state, um, eating that meal would probably make me feel worse than being hungover. <laughs> I think my body would probably reject that fried yeah. fast food worse than it would reject the alcohol. That yeah, I consume. Water and extra sleep. Uh, I, I I did. I had never done this before, but when we went to uh, when we were at our last reunion, which was the 15 year reunion at Scranton, mm-hmm. I did uh, drink Pedialyte. Oh, I brought a straw and I sucked down Pedialyte all night long. All that really did was make me have to get up to go to the bathroom about every three minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I still felt like hell. So I, I, I don't think it worked really. <laughs> All right, last question, and usually we reserve this for a deep question. We kind of tackled that during our during our talk on should we be scared of AI. Um, but would you rather have Fridays or Mondays off from work? Oh, for me, Friday, mm-hmm. no question. Yeah. I I don't really do much on Sundays. You know, maybe if I were in my 20s and the whole Sunday fun day thing existed and people went out and did stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I would always take a Friday off because yeah. you're always going to have a Monday. So <laughs> if you take Monday off, Tuesday becomes your Monday. Right. Friday is always fun. Yeah. If you take Friday off, 
Thursday's your Friday. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's to me. I, I do know people who would gladly take Mondays off, but I think they live a different lifestyle. They don't have two children under the age of seven. Uh, and you know what? Maybe if you're I'm not a big NFL guy. Maybe if you're a big NFL guy, you know, you yeah. want those Sundays off. Not me. Uh, I like my Sunday routine. I watch the Com Majors movie of the week. Uh, you know, I have my uh, seltzer and I sit there and I watch it on my iPad in bed and I'm I'm very happy with my Sunday. So I would always take Friday. I yep. think Friday is an awesome day to have. What about you? Would you take Friday or Monday? Uh, I'd take Friday as well. Yeah. Yeah. I Sundays are not super. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think if I was going to take Fridays off, I'd have much more to do. Thursday evening than I would on Sunday evening, right? Does to to be sense? fair, I took Fridays off in college and I had class. Yeah. On Friday. So fair. So I've already lived that life. Yeah. I've I've lived it. Uh excellent. That's five questions. Uh, also, right, can we just listen to this really terrible joke one time more? Just at yeah. the at the beginning of this audio, this terrible joke. Long time listener, first time caller. And my question Pat saying long time listener, first time caller. Oh, I know. Well, terrible, yes. terrible, terrible, terrible. I, I, I actually. That's like Charles Barkley terrible. I, I, I appreciate it. But please Google the image Pat Morgan on a Segway uh, Night Foundation. Yeah, post it to our Twitter for us, please. He, he, he's wearing a like bright. On. There's also an article, by the way, entitled 20 Questions with Pat Morgan. I've known Pat Morgan for 20 years and probably haven't asked him 20 questions. I don't think. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what the hell the writer of the said article <laughs> is doing. I haven't I, I've known him for 20 years and I can't think of 20 things I would want to ask him. So <laughs> that must have been. He's really. really Pat, is, Pat, is, Pat is an open book. <laughs> he is an open book. We will have Pat on at some point to talk about our favorite no, movies. Fletch. He can come on and talk oh, about okay. Fletch. Okay, fair. Uh, all right, recommendations. What do you, you got anything exciting uh, this week you want to recommend? No, not really. I am uh, haven't really been... Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Got nothing. How about you? Have you finished the Stephen King book yet? I'm like 100 pages from being cl- right. being done. Yeah, How so. is, is the ending still you're building towards it? Okay. Yeah, the, the, yeah it's coming towards the climax. It's like without yeah, saying anything. all the pieces are coming together. You are, sometimes you are not the biggest fan of the King. I have climax. a good feeling about this one. You're going to you like King's climax. <laughs> You're climaxing with King. How do you? How do I get you not to say you're, that you're, anymore? You're climaxing with King. All right, my uh, recommendations for this week: Geary's uh, Pale Ale, an absolutely delicious pale ale. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend going to the state of Maine, uh, which speaking is of awesome. Stephen King. Yeah, speaking, uh, yes, speaking of Stephen King, uh, watch hope- Westworld. Yeah, Westworld's good. Westworld is is really, really good. I, I love it. I'm going to steal one of yours. Listen to the, start listening to the Dax Shepherds podcast, which is awesome. And we'll talk more about why you need to do that in a second. And also, I posted this on uh, Instagram and stuff. Uh, if you have not already, I've talked about this a lot at Read Empire magazine. If you're a member, you get amazing covers like this, which are just the cover uh, for uh, subscribers is a little different. Such a good uh, magazine. There's so much awesome stuff in here. And this month they did their 2018 retrospective. And there's also uh, an article on Hudson Hawk, which <laughs> I want to watch for the show uh, desperately. Um, and next week's movie 
is a gym favorite that I'm really excited to see. It sounds like everything oh, that a yeah. Brian Costello movie should be. Dak Shepard, Kristen Bell, hit and run. Yeah. And uh, for those that uh, know Brian's obsession with Smokey and the Bandit, that mm. is something that he shares in common with Dak Shepard. Dak Shepard is absolutely obsessed with uh, <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit. And it shows when you watch this movie written and directed by him. Yeah, um, I really can't wait. I, I When I tell you I am genuinely – there's like for whatever movie – I think this – because it came out in about 2012 when Claire was born. It like hit that sweet spot yeah, where yeah, I just where didn't, didn't do anything. Get, didn't get to, I didn't get to see it. I am so excited to watch this movie. I cannot wait. Uh, I bought a six-pack of Paps Blue Ribbon uh, to watch this. I am going to wear my mesh hat, trucker hat. I am wearing my Piggly Wiggly T-shirt to watch it. I am really excited. For it's this. not. It's not as white trashy as you're making it sound, but you, you'll see. You'll see. I'll, I'll enjoy it. And Dynamite appearances I'm, by people like Tom Arnold and Bradley Cooper. You're gonna. You're gonna like it. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited about this. I. I really wish Dak Shepard would write a modern version of Cannonball Run. <laughs> That's what I'm. I'm, I'm going to just start. Uh, barraging his Twitter feed, you should, you should. Begging, begging him to write a cannonball run. Uh, plugs. I think pretty people yeah, pretty much know where to find us. Yeah, yeah. Like us on if if you do listen to us on iTunes, um, make sure you like uh, and subscribe, and then uh, give us a give us a rating if if you wouldn't mind. Uh, and at some point, we'll get our episodes up on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's just the video editing takes a lot longer. Yeah, it's not a big deal. You, most, A lot of you listen either via the pod or watch us on Facebook Live. Uh, this is fantastic. We'll see you next week. Hit and run. And also, just quickly, start your watching. And I know people are watching it because I'm already starting to see it on Facebook. We will be doing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation <laughs> in two weeks. Uh, get your annual viewing in it's going to be amazing uh by the way i picked this up at target for five dollars and there's an audio commentary and randy quaid is one of the people doing it nice so you're damn sure i'll be watching not only the film again but i have got to hear the audio commentary of randy quaid which i can only imagine might be more intriguing than the film itself which amazing. I amazing absolutely amazing uh all right my man i will talk to you soon and uh, we'll see you all next week. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. Adios. See ya.